Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Very nice. Thank you. I just, I need that affirmation. <laughs> I need that weekly affirmation from Joy. Why have I never Mystery. thought about like surprise? I, I feel like I am surprising you actually. Oh, that's how I feel every time. Surprised? Well, that's, I'm I don't impressed. know if you've noticed my, <laughs> my body language is always like, uh, cause I, I always kind of forget until the exact <laughs> moment before that yeah. you are going to come up with I a, am. she, her now miss. Miss. Through the miss in. Yeah. Someone actually emailed us because I totally chose the wrong miss a couple weeks ago and they sent me the right one. And I just want to say that I'm really excited that we make people think of these things. <laughs> There's a lot of things I've accomplished in life <laughs> and making okay. you guys th- look for miss. You put the she in accomplished. Accomplished. <laughs> it's there. Accomplished. She. Right. That's what I mean. Accomplished does have a she yeah it. it does okay anyway hello welcome <laughs> but no miss <laughs> no miss or her mystery it's a mystery there's see? a her in there there is mystery a her. i know see i've done mystery before with a her but I oh but this time it's different yeah you're welcome my name is summer Yeager. <laughs> i'm here with my beautiful co-host joy and i'm also here with my paternal co-host <laughs> <laughs> Patriarch, patriarch, you found it. I bring it. I you found it. you found the patriarch. You finally, yes. after all these years, this is my dad. His name is Jimmy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh. Actually, oh. I have a brother named Jimmy, but oh. he's recent. Well, like in his, like as he's gotten older, he tries to go by James, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it doesn't work. No. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, it's kind of this. I could never. No, my wife, my myself. wife's still stuck with another. Oh yeah, that's right. Thing, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Nani says Jim. Nani says Jim. But she has a special. Yeah. Yes. She she gets to. I feel so yeah. bad for all the people that are used to calling you Doctor White because mm-hmm. they come to me and they're like, "It's so hard to call him Pastor James. Can I just call him Doctor White?" And I'm like, "Why are you asking me? I can't help you with this." Talk to talk to talk to <laughs> Jeff about it. He's, He's the only one that's all big on that stuff. <laughs> I'm definitely just sticking with dad. That, so. that, well, that, that works. Dr. Dad. Dr. Dad. Dr. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's never done that either. So. No. Um, no. So actually, Joy told me something today that I am excited to inform you about. Oh, what did I tell you? <laughs> Joy looks very nervous. Yeah, she's scared. Um, Joy told, gave me a, a task today that that I I think I should take up, which is, she said to me, you know, you're going to have to be the one that writes your dad's biography. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely think oh, it that's should a, be you. That'll be a short one. <clears throat> it's more like a booklet. I don't think that's true. More like a booklet. I, I know. I have lots of stories. 
Yeah, well, maybe. But... <laughs> Publishable stories. Right. <laughs> anyway, well, welcome. Hi, guys. It's, it's going to be exclusive, though, right? Yeah, you can only get it through my if publisher. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can only buy this book <laughs> if you're a Christian. Um, and we'll know. <laughs> So your dad will set up like yeah. we'll let him set up like a question. Right, a questionnaire that you, that have, you to have to answer before you and can buy it. If you don't get it right. If you can't Sorry. answer these 30 questions about the Trinity, you right. cannot buy the right. book. You cannot buy it. Right. <laughs> that'll that'll help itself. Yeah. <laughs> you can buy the Forgotten Trinity though. That's right. Um okay, so our next round of book club is starting on April 21st. That is April 21. That is a Wednesday. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash theologians and get all the information for that. It's starting on the 21st. Grab the book. Meet us there. We're actually going to be talking about social justice. <laughs> I'm not going to be talking about anything. I'm fired. I can't talk into a microphone. Somehow we make it work. <laughs> so I don't know how. We're going to talk about social justice issues in book club because we are reading the book uh, edited by Jared Longshore produced by Founders Ministries called By <clears throat> What Standard God's World God's Rules Jared Longshore I love the Longshores with a deep and abiding love they are fantastic um, so yeah patreon.com slash sheologians that's where you can join all the information is there grab your copy with 21 minus 5 <laughs> Okay, it starts in 16 days. Thank you. Uh, just wanted somebody else to do that math real quick. In case I feel like crazy. Normally, when someone asks me a math question, I'm like, parrots. Or, like, or I'm just like, numbers, numbers, numbers. I'm just like thinking those are numbers. numbers, numbers, numbers. There's number, those are numbers. And then all of a sudden, I can't do simple, simple things that I truly can do. But it's just the You're pressure. Quick. His dad didn't even know. He's still doing the math over there. <laughs> you heard it here. Joy's better <sighs> than than Pastor James. Wait, what's your name? <laughs> okay, <clears throat> uh, you can leave us a voicemail if, for some reason, you want to. The number is four seven zero four six five zero four seven five. Just don't give us any math problems. <laughs> don't give us any. They will not this be is, done. This is the extent of our number issues. <laughs> Some are just looked at me panicked while she was saying that phone number yes sure. that we've had for years uh, it's nothing to do with numbers <laughs> halfway through i was like am i lying <laughs> is this my voicemail number i'm bad at that <laughs> oh okay well you know what this whole thing was joy's idea <laughs> this this discussion it was so you have to set this up um well and it's kind of like my t my topic in the way that i phrased it is a little like clickbaity mm -hmm. hopefully it's an edifying yes conversation <laughs> right. but my idea was simply this is christianity white mm -hmm. um and which, I'm, like, a decade ago, you would have sounded like a crazy person. Right. And to some people, it probably still sounds crazy. Um, but I feel like everyone sitting at this table understands <laughs> why we would approach that uh, subject. And it just, um, well, you know, I feel like the more, the further we go down the road that we're going down now, you, the more you hear people... Um, 
make statements and you realize that perhaps a lot of people talking on the internet right now have completely divorced themselves from the rest of history um or even not even necessarily history but maybe even like the world like to mm-hmm. where it's kind of like ju- all that exists for them is the United States as it exists now. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think like, mm-hmm. that's so like, that's not, that's very, it just, uh, to me, it just indicates that we don't really know anything about what we're talking about. And especially <laughs> not in a grand, in the grand scheme of things. And so we're, we're, we're having all these conversations a, a many times about race and, and I just, and, you know, this uh, white privilege obviously keeps coming up. And then you are many times sort of uh, teetering where pe- people don't want to say it overtly, but they talk about like colonizing, gentrification. Oh, yeah. And so this, the we're talking about this all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. is Christianity white? And to me, the obvious answer is no. Um, but... It's worth so having obvious. the conversation yeah. or, and, and, you know, it's the, ob- I think it's probably obvious to everyone, but perhaps we're forgetting because mm-hmm. obviously for most people, if you asked, like, was Jesus white? Mm-hmm. They'd be like, well, no, of course not. But we're, f- we seem to be forgetting. Well, Christianity is d- the white man's religion has been a refrain. Right. Well, and even then, even like, and it just go it goes so far it's really not just ignorant of the origins and of course Christ but it's ignorant of european history it's ignorant of all world history mm-hmm. um and total like i said totally ignorant of what's going on in mm-hmm. the world today even mm-hmm. outside of the united states yeah so yeah is christianity white <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the problem today, of course, is all these terms now have to be defined almost on a weekly basis. They keep getting changed. Uh, I saw I saw a black pastor out of Texas that I've tried to have some conversations with uh, retweet a statement from another black individual who said um, last week that uh, woke simply means black. Mm. And so if you're against hmm. woke, then yeah. you're just against the woke church. You're against the black church. Wow. And of course, that's not how what woke meant only a, a few ago. weeks, a year, a year <laughs> or a few weeks before that. And it may not mean that, you know, a few yeah. weeks from now. And that's the problem. Uh, no one can define words anymore because it's it's all whatever you want it to mean. And mm. and so, you know, whiteness, white supremacy, mm. When you can have this current uh, situation where you have all these videos of elderly Asian people being attacked by young black men and it's due to white supremacy, right? everyone's left confused. And yet there will be people, as soon as I point this out, I just knew that they would. I was just waiting for them to do it. They respond by saying, yes, it is due to white supremacy because it's due to a lack of education, a lack of economic opportunity, and da, 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 da. everything mm. is white supremacy. And I didn't, you know, the only time I had ever heard white supremacy even used until just a few years ago was specifically about something like the Ku Klux Klan, specifically right. Right. You know, something along those lines. Someone um, who walks up to you and says, 
I don't like you right. because of your color. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 sim- that, that simple life that we used to live in. Um, now everything is due to, uh, everything can be blamed. I mean, even oh, global yeah. climate change yeah, is white supremacy. Is white supremacy Capitalism uh, is white supremacy. Every, everything is. And yeah. so it, it's... Everything I don't like is white supremacy. Right. Yeah. Or, or if they don't, someone doesn't like you, uh, it's because of your white supremacy, your white privilege, whatever right. it might be. So to even ask the question, um, the, the problem that we have today is when you do get into conversation with the woke Mm-hmm. And that's a larger and larger and larger yeah. percentage of people. Mm-hmm. We need to realize this has become the central way of thinking in our seminaries. That means it's going to be in the pulpits for a very, very long time. And so uh, we're not, we may be really sick and tired of it, but we're going to get more sick and tired of it before it, it finally it's goes over. away. Yeah. Um, we, we need to realize that defining our words um, and asking people to go, well, let's think about the origins of these terms. Let's think about history. That's not what people are doing when they're making these claims in the first place. When they say Christianity is white or it's a white man's religion, they don't really want to. They don't want you to sit there and go, well, when you think about it, um, you know, Jesus would have been from what we would call the Middle East. And so he would have been pretty brown. Um, and in fact, the entire Mediterranean, um, uh, North Africa, uh, what we call Israel and the surrounding nations mm-hmm. up through Greece, mm-hmm. pretty much, you know, sort of brown uh, until you start finally getting over toward Italy, what we call Italy today, uh, what was anciently called Gaul, France, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, you still had a fair amount of pigmentation in those days because there, there was a lot of uh, across the Mediterranean mm-hmm. uh, shipping and things like that. And in fact, the, the, what we would call the specifically white, physically white ethnicities were very resistant to the, to the Christian faith initially. I mean, yeah. you think of all the, yeah. the Germanic tribes and things mm-hmm. like that and, and uh, the resistance they had because of their dedication to their gods and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, and so they don't, that's not, but that's not what they're talking about. Right. Um, history only goes back as far as it's relevant to the narrative. Mm. And so the history that is relevant to the narrative right now is Eurocentrism. Mm-hmm. And so obviously, while uh, far Eastern, you know, the, the Chinese were way ahead of the Europeans for a long, long time. Yeah. And it is interesting, almost no one is aware of this. There was a a Christian church that went all the way into China in the uh, seventh through ninth centuries. Mm. And then it simply disappeared. And we don't really know why. I mean, we have evidence that it was there and then it simply vanished. Um, It's one of those things we'll find out about maybe someday in in eternity. Um, But uh, very, very advanced Mm. uh, civilizations uh, in, in the East when when after the Romans, there is a major period of decline right. in, in Europe. Um, it's, not that the, it's not that all literacy ends and things like that, but I remind my church history students um, that for hundreds of years prior to the Reformation, <clears throat> the average person would never move more than seven miles in any one direction from where they were born. Right. And so you think of 
mm. what that would mean as far as how you view the world yeah. and uh, things like that. And it has a, has a huge impact. And so uh, obviously we, the United States has been deeply influenced by the tradition of Europe. It was a part of Europe's expansion. It was Britain and, and France fighting with each other over here yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we've, we have been always very, very deeply influenced by what has come out of that. And what we're hearing today is the form of Christianity um, that we would say represents biblical orthodoxy uh, has been hijacked by uh, a Eurocentrism. Whiteness. And you know, yes, that's unfortunate what they're saying. That ignores the massive um, diversity that existed between Spain and France and Portugal right. and, and the various places in Germany and, and so on and so forth. I think it's an extreme simplification, but it works sure. for people today. Yeah, uh, and our own history denies that kind of simplification. I mean, the mm -hmm. the tensions that existed between Italians and Germans mm -hmm. and and uh, um, the Polish and the Irish and all the rest of that stuff in our own history, a lot of people just don't know it about any of that kind of stuff. It's much simpler to to simplify that all down and, and just make it. You've got your white Europeans mm. and their theology, mm. and then you had uh, the slave trade. Mm -hmm. and that then led to two separate churches, and we still have two separate churches today, and that really is the thinking behind the idea that we need to continue having two separate churches, mm. uh, and, and that's why there are people who are willing to say, we, we need to self-segregate, we need to go ahead and, mm -hmm. and divide these things up. So is it, is it true that there is a um, strong predominance of what we would call European figures in uh, the modern era, in the defining of, for example, Protestant theology. Mm -hmm. Of course there is, mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, that's true. Um, why is that true? Well, partly because of colonization, partly because of the English and the French and the Spanish, um, you know, once they had the technology, mm -hmm. they went out and built empires and fought with right. each other and they spread so that's why Roman Catholicism is all through Central America, right? Uh, because the Spanish were there, and right. um, the French really weren't sure what they were doing. But, but the uh, still the, the British were sorry, France uh, <laughs> making pastries, <laughs> but, right. uh, lingerie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness! Um, Skipping around under the Eiffel Tower yeah. is that what they do? In France? Okay, now, now remember, <laughs> rich is rich is French, so you need to be careful. Well, there. Uh, you guys, I found out how French I am because of mom. Still mad she's at her. She's always oh, skipping. Well, yes. <laughs> My mom, she's always, that's why I'm in a musical. <laughs> you don't get that reference anyway. No, I have no idea <laughs> what you're talking about, him, but that's okay. Yeah, we'll ask him. We'll ask him. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, but, but the reality is when you look at the big names, what we're being told is um, the, the thought process is the big names in theology should, there should be a diversity. Mm. There should be. Uh, equity and equality and so on and so forth. And that's just not how it functioned. That's not mm -hmm. how it, it happened in history. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in scripture that demands that there be equality in theologians. The first theologians were all very dark and swarthy skinned and nobody cared because it was the Roman Empire and that's how you were supposed to do things. 
Um, but today, the idea is if you just read dead white theologians, and of course, you don't differentiate whether they're German or French or whatever, they're just white. And so they got all thrown Ew, into one. white. Yeah, they, they get thrown into, <laughs> into one big pile. And um, uh, that, ignores, that ignores history, but it's very good for the narrative. And so um, is, is there an element of truth in saying that there has been an outsized influence of European men in what would be considered Christian orthodoxy today? And the answer is yes, because of the Reformation, because of, right. of the fact that that was such a definitional period that required mm. people to go, okay, this is what we believe and this is what we don't believe. Mm. Okay, you could have made the same argument uh, for, uh, reverse at the Council of Nicaea mm -hmm. and said, hey, most of, these, most of these guys here at Nicaea are not representative of the white races, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, but no one, no one right. even thought about that because no one they, they weren't, they, no, they weren't focused upon that kind of thing as if it was, as if it was definitional. Right. And so uh, when, when someone says Christianity is white, what they're basically saying is, I have bought into a particular narrative in regards to ethnicity that has really nothing to do with history. It's only taken a little bit of here, a little bit of there. It's primarily defined by a certain narrative of American history that right. doesn't, doesn't even transfer across the board to Canada, doesn't transfer right. across the board to Mexico. It doesn't transfer back to England. It's only relevant here, but I'm going to make it the be all and end all of all things. and. Uh, I'm going to say, therefore, that if you, for example, uh, put on a, a conference where you're talking about the theology of Jonathan Edwards, well, then you obviously aren't even a Christian. Right. And that's and that's happening. Mm -hmm. And see, I'm old enough uh, to remember, uh, I, I, for some reason, I think it was in Nebraska. I remember speaking at this one church and uh, there was a black couple there and they had driven forever to be there. Mm hmm. And it was just one of those situations where we, before I spoke, I had, you know, I normally get there early. You know, I'm early for things. Uh, Are you? Yeah, I don't know, how, don't know, I don't think I passed that on to any of my offspring, but. Um, uh, the anxiety of when I leave the house is truly phenomenal anyway. <laughs> you can pass things on. It may be genetic, it may, may not be. Is it nurture or genetics? Who knows? Anyway, nurture curse. or nature. It's yeah. a curse, that's what it was. Curse, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I was there early and so I had a chance to talk with them. And I just remember that for a period of time there from, in, in, from you know, the middle, about 2005 to about 2014, about a decade or so, uh, there was just this um, beautiful harmony in focus upon the doctrines of grace, upon justification and sanctification and a high view of scripture. and and everybody's coming, Hispanic, black, white, Italian, it, it didn't matter. There was this renaissance of interest in Reformed theology, and, and there, were, there were black rappers that were getting into this, and they were creating music based upon Reformed theology. And, and it was wonderful, and it was great, and then it all changed, mm -hmm. starting around 2014 with Ferguson. Yeah. And it's not that all those people left. Yeah. It's just that... Um, one of the sad things I'm hearing today is I'm literally hearing people who were a part of that mm. apologizing mm. for ever having been a part of that, apologizing mm -hmm. for those beautiful days when we were focused upon uh, Christian theology rather than uh, putting Christian theology between the critical and the theory, between the C and the T, mm -hmm. 
and thereby destroying it and breaking it apart. Mm -hmm. And so now what you've got to do is you've got to, you can't look at Jonathan Edwards' resolutions and mm -hmm. be challenged by that. You've got to go, but years later, he did this in his culture, which today would not be acceptable. And therefore, mm -hmm. you just have to throw all of that out. Mm -hmm. um, that, that wasn't happening yet. And it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a beautiful time, mm -hmm. um, but it didn't, it didn't last. And so the obvious answer to the question, uh, is, is Christianity white? Um, the obvious answer is it's white and it's black and it's brown and it's tan and it's, and it's everything else because it encompasses men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Yeah. Um, do we recognize, it, it's always good to take the weapons away from the people on the other side of a conflict. And so if you don't recognize the elements of truth in what they're saying, then you're not going to be able to, in a balanced way, say, well, everything you just said is true. You didn't connect them together to your conclusion. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of people fail, I think, today. And, and in the church, you know, it doesn't matter what church you're in, you might find yourself standing between the pews facing this stuff and there's nobody around to help you. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. be, a, be a good time now to be thinking about how you would respond to this when someone says, mm -hmm. well, I just don't think the pastor should have quoted from Jonathan Edwards or, for George, or from George Witchfield or, mm -hmm. or things like that. Uh, or I just think there's certain passages of scripture that uh, just aren't, aren't relevant any longer. We shouldn't, mm. uh, we shouldn't read those passages from Colossians or Ephesians about mm -hmm. masters and slaves and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's nobody else around and it's up to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you, you have to recognize that there are elements of truth. Um, mm -hmm. has there, has there been, uh, is it, is it true that we tend to create caricatures of religious heroes from the past, obviously. Um, if you think Jonathan Edwards was only his resolutions, well, right. he didn't live up to his resolutions. Right. Um, he, he was a sinner? He, he was. He was, honestly, uh, you would, if, if you read his biography as I did years and years ago, um, and you see uh, how steadfast he was and how he went as a missionary, having been horribly mistreated uh, by the formal church, uh, didn't just give up on the faith. He becomes a missionary to the Indians. Mm -hmm. um, uh, dangerous stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yet he was obviously one of the most brilliant intellects the, the church had ever, ever produced, yet he was willing to do these things. Uh, you, but but we can create caricatures. Mm -hmm. uh, we we create caricatures of Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and and so all of them with all of their warts and Luther's anti-Semitism and you remember at the Sovereign Nations uh, thing where I gave my mm -hmm. talk on on Luther and, and a lot of people are like, why do you have to mention all that bad stuff about <laughs> Luther and? The pre fifteen twenty five Luther and the post fifteen twenty five Luther and and how he and his Roman Catholic opponent are writing books against the Jews to see who can outdo whom and 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 things like that. Why do you have to why do you have to bring that stuff up? Because that's who they were. That, that yeah. that's that's the only way you're going to be able to really understand them. I'll make sure you look really good in your biography. Well, <laughs> that's that's that would actually require you to be dishonest. So yeah, you don't have to do that. Um, but. Uh, no, it's a valid question because I don't know that in that that standing in the pews moment, 
a lot of people would, you know, what do you do if, you know, Jeff, Jeff mentions Jonathan Edwards resolutions. I feel multiple yeah, times. Where are we? Where are we? If we throw out anyone who ever did the wrong thing. Well, what do and, you do with Edwards? Well, and, and what, where are we when we refuse, and this is where we are today, when you refuse to interpret someone in the context in which they lived? This is, this is where the church historian in me just absolutely wants to start throwing things. Okay. Well, because what you're, right. what I can already hear the, the objection is, is that you're willing to find, you're willing to import nuance to Jonathan Edwards. Are you willing to do the same thing for MLK Jr.? Yeah, and let's let's compare what they wrote, um, uh, and look at the look at the context that is the difference between between the two of them. Um, obviously, what people don't understand was the situation in the United States at that time. Is there any question that there were many people in the founding of this nation? Because obviously, he's before that, but even at that time that wanted to do away with slavery immediately. They saw it as an inconsistency. Of course. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they? It was purely economics. Yeah. It was, it was the, the nation was barely able to stand up on its own. Mm -hmm. England, to be honest with you, had been supporting the colonies. Right. It, without, without that English in, input, it wasn't looking good. Yeah. And without that uh, source of uh, work, mm -hmm wouldn't have made it, yeah. would, have, would have collapsed. Mm. So that was part of, of Whitfield's argumentation too in Georgia, mm. was the only way Georgia's could be able to do what Georgia, to even survive, mm -hmm. is is to do this. Now at the same time, he says, you need to be kind to your slaves, so on and so forth. But that's where they were. Mm. And it's real easy for us in hindsight to step back and go, well, this I just can't believe someone would ever do something like this because we're functioning from our modern day perspective. Mm -hmm. Most of this requires that we completely ignore the centrality of slavery to all of human history. Mm. I mean, uh, I read a really excellent book on um, Alexander the Great a couple of years ago. Mm. And what, what an amazing life. I mean, you probably know he, he died at the same age uh, Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, in 33 years, uh, in a very brief period of time, he, he, he made the Romans look like amateurs. Right. As far as, as the, the amount of the earth's surface. That he conquered. That he conquered. Yeah. Uh, just, just astonishing. Ridiculous. <laughs> and his ability militarily, his, I mean, he would frequently be on the front lines himself. I mean, he's not sitting, sitting back on a horse going, you go over there, you go over there. He's out there in the middle of the fray. Um, it's just astonishing uh, what, a, what a force of nature. And yet he, he was manifestly evil. Right, right. yeah. He's I a mean, very he, wicked he, person. He killed, yeah. in some instances, uh, he would be generous and kind to a city, and in others, just Take men, out. women, and children in, yeah. in a horrific way. And he probably enslaved two, three million people Whew. himself. Yikes. And we get, we call him Alexander the Great. Right. And the the Greek Empire followed by the Roman Empire, chattel slavery is the economic way of mm -hmm. life. The entire Mediterranean, mm. and not and not primarily from Europe, taking people from Africa. It was mm -hmm. Africans taking people from Europe. Mm -hmm. You go to the southern coasts of most of the nations you know, along the Mediterranean, and you will find fortresses all along the seashore. 
on, on high ground because they're watching for the African slave traders coming wow. to capture people and drag them to Africa to be as slaves. Right. So it was the opposite direction of what we would be considering. Yeah. And so th the, it's difficult for people today in the United States mm -hmm. to even begin to to see how, for example, the Bible's laws in the Old Testament in regards to slavery mm -hmm. were just so far beyond anything that the Babylonians, or the Assyrians, or any of these people had ever even, ever even dreamed of. The idea that you could actually voluntarily, by having the, the all put through your ear, say, I want to, I, I so love the person that I'm serving, I want to stay in this situation the rest of my life. So even in Jubilee, you weren't, mm -hmm. you weren't set free. Mm -hmm. We can't even begin to under, understand right. that. And I don't think there's almost anybody uh, today that, that even has the categories for, to allow something like that mm -hmm. in their own understanding of things now. Uh, but the reality is uh, the New Testament is written during a period of time where not only are many of the original uh, Christians who are converted by Paul's ministry slaves, mm -hmm. but their masters are in the same fellowship that they're in. Right. All right. And this... <laughs> we don't, we have no category for this. No. Well, you, you know, <laughs> right. you, 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 you could look at an employer-employee relationship on a somewhat different plane. And certainly only 150 years ago, employee-employer relationships were a little bit closer um, yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, than, they, than they are now. Um, but yeah, we, we struggle, we struggle with those texts. Where, you, where the apostle is saying to the masters, mm -hmm. be, be righteous and just and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, and to the slaves, honor, honor your masters and serve Christ by serving them. We have no category for that. And if the woke theologians were consistent, they would, uh, they would have to uh, really argue that we probably should remove those texts mm. from the canon of scripture. Mm. And I think some have argued for that. Right. Sure. Uh, I, I'm sure there are people at Union Theological Seminary that would say, I don't, I don't, that's, that obviously was just another one of the many examples of men thinking about God uh, and they got their, got it all wrong. We're smarter than that now. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That's, that's pretty much uh, mm -hmm. the, the narrative that you're getting out of the, out of the left. But the problem is it's once you, once you get into we can decanonize stuff. Okay, those folks are over there. We're still talking about the quote unquote woke church, where they're wanting to say, "Oh no, we actually we actually are under the authority of, of scripture." Right. And so that's not an option there. And so you've got to deal with the fact that Jesus did not call for the violent overthrow of mm -hmm. the Roman Empire. Yeah. He brought it about. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been to Rome, and guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Caesar's not there anymore. Nope. <laughs> uh, it's just a bunch of ruins. Um, he, he brought about in his time, mm -hmm. but uh, the real disappointing thing for, for people today on the left is that Jesus just doesn't do the things that they would expect him to do if he was who he claimed to be. Mm -hmm. So let's take this outside just to, as, an, as an example. I think one of the strongest questions you can ask a quote-unquote affirming person in regards to homosexuality and transgenderism who claims to be a Christian. And I asked this of a very well-known one just recently, and he didn't want to have a discussion about it. But um, 
it, in fact, it ended it pretty quickly. But this is this is sort of the nuclear question from my perspective, and that is, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, then he knew from your perspective that a bunch of the people standing in front of him were actually homosexuals. Mm -hmm. They were actually transgender. Mm -hmm. Why, knowing that, did he not seek to liberate them? Instead, he he repeated all the oppression, all the standard interpretations of the law, uh, not one jot or tittle pass away, et cetera, et cetera. He did not seek to liberate them or call for their liberation, though he knew their hearts better than anyone else did. Why did he not do that? And they do not want to come up with an answer for that question. The only way to answer that question is, that can allow them to save something is to say he didn't know. So they have to end up denying right. the deity the of deity. Christ right. or something along those, those lines. Um, because that's the reality. Well, the same thing is true, not only of the Lord Jesus, he sees slaves all around him. Mm -hmm. um, but the Apostle Paul, as he travels throughout the Roman Empire, as a Roman citizen, uh, would see would see slaves everywhere. The churches he's teaching in, there are there are slaves in these in these churches, and he does not call for the violent overthrow mm -hmm. of these things. And the problem that we face today is we're not allowed to have this conversation on a solely biblical context mm -hmm. because there are certain things you're not allowed to say. Right. So if you say, for example, that uh, the way in which slavery was ended in the United States mm -hmm. not only cost nearly a quarter million lives, mm. um, but fundamentally continued slavery in the existence and the experience of black people mm -hmm. because it was done so wrongly. Mm. because it was done so poorly. Mm -hmm. um, if you say that, you're done. You're, yeah. you're, there, there's, I, I do not find a willingness on the part of almost anyone, either within the church or outside the church, to be willing to stand back and, and go, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best way to, to do things. And, and maybe that did end up actually perpetuating things. It didn't really heal anything. There would have been a more natural way for this to have happened, you know. You can't, you can't, you can't even raise issues like that. And it's the same thing in the church when you look at the new at the New Testament. People are literally embarrassed mm. by what by what the Bible says about this subject. Right. And it's it's sort of like, you know, when we talk about what we talked about on Apology Radio yesterday, which was uh, the issue of theonomy. I don't care where you come down on it. But if you can stand there at any point in time and say that the punishments that God's law meted out in Israel were themselves unjust, mm -hmm. you don't seem to understand that by saying that, mm -hmm. you are cutting the foundation out from underneath the entire concept of atonement mm -hmm. and, the, and the son bearing the wrath of the father due to the broken law. Mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. And so, and yet, let's well, be honest. But wasn't the punishment for man stealing murder? Or, I'm sorry, being put to death? Yes, yes. It, 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 in that form of slavery, it would be, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and so there are, there are some who would say that, uh, but see, not all forms of slavery were due to that. Right. And so what do you do 
with someone who has a slave that is a third generation mm. removed from that situation. Yeah. What do you do now? I mean, th they struggle with that in the United States. Even if you know what Liberia is, uh, the idea of repatriating, mm -hmm. um, you know, send, send them back to, to Africa, mm -hmm. a type of an idea. Mm -hmm. uh, they struggled with that uh, for quite a period of time. Hmm. I don't know almost any uh, black American that would actually buy into that idea, yeah, right. <laughs> knowing, knowing what uh, Western Africa looks like today, um, yeah. doing much better where, where they are. But uh, the point is, they, there were people who were thinking that through. How do we make Right, how do we make this do, right? What how do, do we do? do? That? How do we do that? Yeah. And so when you, when you look at the gospel, it is designed to cross all ethnicities and all boundaries mm. and to go anywhere. And if you turn it into um, a uh, cultural revolutionary movement, mm. then you have to have an army to go along with it, Yeah, basically. And so- Isn't it funny though? Because I feel like that's what people think theonomists want. <laughs> well, that's, like. yeah, that, that's, that's because <laughs> theonomy has been prim primarily defined by its opponents, not by its right. proponents. Yep. That's certainly been my experience. Mm -hmm. And I can say that as one who graduated from seminary in 1989 and the theonomy book from Westminster came out in 90. Mm. And so, hey, if Westminster says it, Right. Back then, it's like, I mean, that's top, top drawer, tier, that's yeah. it. Right. You, you don't question that. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, that that's why that particular uh, application came into existence. But anyway, taking all this back to, to where we were, these are complex issues, and they require multiple lines of thought from Scripture. Mm. And... We live in a day where it has become all the fashion, not just amongst ladies, but amongst men as well, mm -hmm. um, to begin with the creation of an emotional mm. conclusion mm -hmm. before you then start talking about the details. Mm -hmm. Your conclusion is derived by how you feel about something. Mm -hmm. And you have a vested interest in the defense of that conclusion, which is itself a feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, you're never gonna, you're never gonna be able to analyze that. You're never gonna be able to bring that to the light of, of reason. You're never gonna be able to embrace a new historical perspective that would shed light on something if you begin with the idea that I just need to go with my gut and my gut says X, Y, and Z. Well, mm -hmm. your gut might be based upon uh, bad bad pizza that you just ate. Your gut might be based upon uh, stuff from your from your past you don't even realize. Um, sure. And so uh, these are not the conversations that are happening in the church, and unfortunately in the seminaries they're really not happening. Right. Um, there is now an overriding uh, narrative that's that's taking place there, which is which is unfortunate. But like I said, you're standing in the pew. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you realize this new couple, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what color they are. They, they might be uh, lily white. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden you realize, wow, they're, they're really coming from a different perspective than I know our eldership is coming from. But they're listening and they're hearing stuff, mm -hmm. but they're interpreting it in, in, a, in a wrong way. And boy, I'm concerned about what this might actually end up resulting in. That's certainly what elders are thinking about. Oh, sure. Because we're seeing that kind of thing happening a lot. Yeah. So what what would you say to somebody who would tell you that you should not be quoting Edwards anymore? Well, 
Um, I would simply say that if that is the standard, then basically there's nobody in history that we that we need to be bothering with. Um, for example, uh, Ulrich Zwingli, mm-hmm. um, one of the three big reformers, uh, would have drowned me from a certain bridge in Zurich. Right. And he did. Right. Yeah. And Martin Luther mm-hmm. um, was complicit in the imprisonment of um, an Anabaptist mm-hmm. uh, in the Wartburg Castle mm-hmm. um, and left that man rotting in a dark cell for six years before he died. Never even lifted a finger to, to Fritz Erba was his name, never mm-hmm. lifted a finger to have him released. Uh, they think they found his skeleton in 2006 outside the castle walls, but, um, and I don't know if you've ever seen the video that I did, but the video just simply can't show you just how far down that thing is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like 35, 40 feet. Oh. And there are no windows, um, just living in pitch blackness uh, for six years. Um, I don't know, I would not have survived that long. Mm-mm. And that over baptism, can you imagine? How many over people? Baptism. How many people would not go? Okay, fine, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll drop water on my babies. It's fine. Yeah, I'm out of here. Uh, yeah, most of us would last about two days, and then we're out right. of there. Yeah. Um, he went for six years and yeah. died. Um, well, and didn't the didn't the apostle Paul like hunt down and kill Christians? Yeah, but that was before his conversion. <laughs> I know, so that's like, that's why they like, that, that's, it's, it's problematic it's, though. I mean, it's right. Well, so I guess the ultimate question is is it our job to offer forgiveness mm. for the sins of that people Right. And are we the judge of mm. of a situate well, historical situations and cultures that that we don't understand? Like are we the judge of information? Do we take information well, in and we go, well, that's not good because, you know, like two plus two is not five. That's right, a great right. example of information judgment. Mm-hmm. But we've taken that or have we taken that and said, like, I get to determine what is yeah. acceptable. Well, if we're looking back at people in history, um, you you need to look at a at a at an Ulrich Zwingli and you have to recognize that he was complicit in the persecution of Anabaptists, and it's, it'd be important to know why. Same thing with Calvin. You have. What about Servetus? Oh, good grief! Let's let's just let's yeah. just ignore everything that Calvin ever said because of of Miguel Servetus. I've actually heard someone make that argument. Oh, I've, so. oh are you I kidding? Mean, I, I, know, right? uh, like. <laughs> I, I get that pretty pretty regularly. And Luther, you read his anti-Jewish uh, material, and it's like, oh, how could how could we respect any anyone? The I've said many times as a professor of church history, um, I want to be, I want to extend the same level of grace to those who came before me as I will need to have extended to me by those who will come after right. me. No one thinks of themselves in that way. Right. Um, and, and this well, is especially a church that largely has not been at the receiving end of much persecution. Right. right. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, not even persecution, but hardship in general. Mm-hmm. Not to say that no one has, mm-hmm. but there are there are historical people that were just different because life just was 
sucked. There was no electricity, you guys. compared to what we have. Like, we would look at it and we would say, that's what we would say. You got to remember in Luther's day, it was considered a great spiritual feat by, because, you know, he was a monk in a monastery, to only bathe once a year. Okay, so so uh, that's a certain culture that I cannot understand. There you go, and 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 remember, the plague would come through every few years, and you'd have to run for the hills, right? Basically, Um, sorry. And so, uh, yes, and and, his lassos. (laughs) Yes, I've heard something back there. I just didn't know what it was, but uh, it makes sense. Yes, Um, so. That's a completely different world where mortality is right around the corner. I mean, the plague could get you at, at any moment. If you walk through almost any of those medieval towns, you could walk around a corner and there'll be a dead body laying in the street and you would not find that to be overly shocking, shocking. or surprising. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then they probably died of a disease. Mm-hmm. They probably weren't killed by somebody. They probably right. died, died of a disease. So mm-hmm. it's a, we, we don't have the context to be able to pretend to be the pristine judges that that we want to pretend to be. Uh, So when it comes to to Jonathan Edwards, I'm going to say I have never encountered a more brilliant intellect Mm -hmm. um, in the United States of America as far as the, the depth of his ability. Now, of course, I criticize him. He uh, I, I use Edwards as my counterpoint to Calvin. Uh, Edwards tried to figure out how Adam could fall and figure out the whole thing about the will with Adam. And even his, even his fans say he failed. He, he, he went beyond what was written and ended up in contradiction. Okay, Calvin said, when God makes an end of speaking, so do we. So was Calvin as brilliant intellectually as Edwards? Yes. Mm. Did Calvin stop? where Edwards continued on into the darkness and fell off a cliff. Yes. Uh, Okay, so I can look at something like that and go, see, there's a place where Edwards was in error. Um, But then can I go, well, Edwards owned slaves. Is there any evidence that he was, is there any evidence that he violated biblical standards in in that way? Mm-hmm. So in other words, exploited them, did anything contrary to what scripture said that he was supposed to do in that situation? No. So if you want to say, but I don't care. Well, then you need to say that to Paul in Ephesians and Colossians. Wouldn't and they say so. his slaves were a result of man stealing and kidnapping? By the time, I think by the, I forget when it was, I think it was early 1800s okay. that the uh, slave trade ended. Uh, there was a fascinating graphic on um on the internet, I think I may have saved it, but yeah. now that I have four terabytes on my system, you who know, knows where in the world it is. Where it is. But there was a fascinating um, graphic that showed the African tra- slave trade and where it went. Mm. And uh, less than 20% went to the United States. Oh. The vast majority of it went to the Caribbean. Wow. Um, and so Brazil, mm. the Caribbean islands, that's mm-hmm. where the vast majority of those, those folks went. And so if I recall, it was, first decade of the 1800s, the slave trade ended. Now, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, could some of those servants, uh, slaves that Edwards had, have been off the boat, stolen people? Possible, but we don't know. that was a fairly small percentage, especially by the time of the Civil War. The slave trade had been ended for 50 years. 
And so these were all people who it was a self-perpetuating mm. uh, situation at that point. Mm. Um, and that, but, but the question, see, Edwards likewise saw not only his black slaves, but the American Indians as people to be evangelized. Mm. Now we can sit back and go now, why couldn't they, why couldn't they see this? Why couldn't they see it? This was, but why couldn't Philemon have seen the same thing? Mm-hmm. Well, you have to look at the situation that they were in and mm-hmm. go, all right, why did they, why did they take the positions they did? Why mm-hmm. did they understand economics the way they understood economics? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many of them actually felt that they were in some way being of assistance to these people? I mean, mm-hmm. it's better for me than someone else that doesn't know the Lord to you know, uh, have sure. these people in my house rather than somebody else's house. We're not allowed to, you're not even allowed to speculate about any of those things. You, you, you right. cannot go you'll back. Be, you'll be called a slave apologist Ex- uh, right. if you even try to look at If If you the even context. ask the question, yeah. the emotion kicks in, the thought stops, and all the historical stuff ends at that point. Right. And so I could see, and, and this, this argument has been made, there are many people within liberalism that would say we don't even need to listen to what the Apostle Paul had to say literally about anything mm. because knowing what he knew, mm-hmm. um, he wrote those sentences about slaves obeying your masters. And, and of course, we do know that the Bible was abused and misused by people in the South mm-hmm. where they right. would only let the slaves know about those texts and not any other texts that would mm. tend toward, you know, use your freedom to be to become free and, and, right. and, and what really happened with Philemon and, and, and right. uh, any of that kind of stuff. So we, we know mm-hmm. uh, about the abuses. That's, that's, not even, that's not even the issue. Uh, what would be said, though, is no, Paul should have said, all Christians, immediately involve, involve yourself in the fundamental overthrow of the economic system of the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. But there would be no Christianity today right. uh, if, if that were what he did. But that's the argument, is that we must place him in the context that we're in today and therefore hold him accountable for that. Rather than doing what he did, it's very obvious that it was the Christian message that planted the seeds of the destruction of the, the entire Empire. system, well, the Roman Empire <laughs> and its its economic system, um, and then eventually led to Magna Carta and the whole mm-hmm. concept of the freedoms and liberties that, that uh, were underneath the US Constitution, the Bill of Rights, but not consistently applied right and there were many men who wanted them to be consistently applied they were generally the men in the more developed areas Mm -hmm. and the men in the underdeveloped areas that still had to clear Mm -hmm. thousands of acres worth of land said you don't understand what you're telling me is you get to have your nice house in the city you've already built and i don't get to have that and hence the inconsistency in the application Mm -hmm. which ended up leading to Nearly, well, I think it's I think the current number is about six hundred and eighty-seven thousand dead mm. um, in only four years of of. I mean, just by far our bloodiest, our bloodiest uh, war. Civil war, yeah. Um, which, um, you know, you really have to wonder what what could have been done if cooler heads had provi- had prevailed on both sides. But anyway, right. Uh, so that the response is when I read. Uh, Jonathan Edwards's um, work on the sovereignty of God. There's a certain uh, sermon that he wrote. It's just 
unbelievable in its in its insight and its application. Um, I have to recognize that there is there is tremendous truth here, and I have to ask the question: Why should I reject that truth? Because I don't like what he believed over here, or I don't like what he believed over there. If if I do that, I mm. will not be able to have anyone in the past I can learn from. Because yeah. you you name somebody, mm-hmm. you name an early church father, and I can I can give you a reason to if discount you, him to, to discount him. It just well, doesn't matter. It just who. it totally it excuses you of all critical thought, right? Because you you mm. are allowed to look at someone and say, yeah, I. I would. I'm not anti-Semitic, so I would definitely disagree. <laughs> with, I disagree with Martin Luther on this. But there's a difference between saying that and right. and just erasing that person from history. Mm-hmm. And you you just it either happened or it didn't happen. And so I guess ultimately, is this an issue of just like we don't trust God's sovereignty, or we think. Um, I mean, well, I'm certain it has something to do with your eschatology and where you think mm-hmm. this world is heading and what the ultimate point yeah. of all this is. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can't, at what point do we have to say, like, if you really can't trust that there was a purpose in things that you disagree with, then why why would you trust God? Mm-hmm. You, you know, do you? Yeah. Yeah, I, the eschatology issue, obviously for me, is uh, interesting right now because uh, it's only been a few months uh, since I first had to really think through someone saying, what if we are in the early church? Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because I've spent uh, over half a a century functioning on the assumption that we're teetering right on the edge okay this is the end is tomorrow and so when well, someone you says have a much you have a, a much better idea of what church history looks like well and right right and that's that's what everybody in every in every generation has has viewed themselves right. as being right at the end too even the people that we now call the early you. church for yeah. you you yeah. are right at the end <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, let's, let's not go there goodbye uh, yeah yeah but that does change everything mm. uh, that the, because most people don't give a second thought to how history is going to look at us because there is no history to right. come we're, we're it there's mm-hmm. no generation coming after us. Mm-hmm. Our kids aren't even going to get to grow up and have kids. Mm-hmm. That's that's the mindset of so many people that we're, we're right there at the end. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people don't extend grace to those who came before us because, mm-hmm. hey. Because we erased history and we're all that exists. Well, and so we're, we have we're no at the idea end. what it would be like to look, mm-hmm. to be for someone to be outside of your culture, outside of your time. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm look at you and try to determine whether what you did was ethically viable or whether we should just toss you on the heap. <laughs> right. Well, and I think you actually kind of answered, I think a lot of people, what they want to do is know, okay, how do I deal with this really uncomfortable thing that happened over a century ago? How do I deal with it now? How do I right. look at it? How do I deal I with it? I don't want to give a, f- I don't want it to seem like I'm giving a free pass or I'm right. just being like, well, you know, right. if they had slaves, but they made up, you can make up for that with 
other things. Right. Right. So you, I think in, in people's flurry to feel like they're doing something good, because I think that's where a lot of this comes from. It comes from this need to be seen as doing something good. And I don't know why, like, we have delusions of grandeur that I can somehow live my life in such a way as to fix something that happened generations ago to people I don't know, to people like my, you know, maybe my family, my family, part of my family wasn't even here yet. Or, you know, but you feel like you have a responsibility now to heal something that you you literally can't heal. So you start coming up with you start taking positions so that you feel like you're healing something that you like is not your responsibility. And so how do I look back at these people? Do I have to throw them all out? And I think a lot of what it comes down to is that you have to trust God because I, I trust that the Lord, that the people who did not experience justice here on earth, they experience justice in eternity. Like they, you know, like (laughs) they, the people who, who are guilty of man stealing and kidnapping, who deserve the death penalty, who never repented, like, they are in hell. They are serving an eternal sentence. There is justice there. Or even there. harder in today's day and age, people who committed horrible sins and were saved from them. Because Christ paid for them. Right. So justice was done either way. Right. Um, it is a matter of trusting God. I think, you know, you just, you, it's so easy to go along with the spirit of the age and say, okay, well, I'm going to throw out Jonathan Edwards. I'm going to throw out George Whitfield. I'm going to speak the right words. I'm going to go along with the narrative. I'm going to be a part of healing, you know, and it's almost like it is delusions of grandeur as far as I'm well, it's concerned. Like, it's not your responsibility. It never was. It's not. To yeah, be but, the but, judge of history. But the sad thing is this, uh, two years from now, your current position will no longer be sufficient. Yeah. And right. so you'll have to pay for, for having else. been wrong. Right. Something new. Two years before. Right. I mean, that's, you know, someone's going to dig through your, your Twitter profile right. yeah. and find something you said that you thought was really woke at the time, but it's not woke <laughs> enough anymore. And now you're out. Oh, yeah. You're Cancel culture is great. Be eaten. Right. You'll you're be not, eaten alive. Yeah. That's right. You're, you're not immune alive. to this. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So what's the big, how do you, how do we protect ourselves from that behavior? What's the big thing that we do to not, to not get caught up in the spirit of the age? How do we, how do, what's the protection against that? Well, depends on whether talking about looking at people from the past then I answer as a historian the same way I did before and that is um, I need as much grace from those that will come after me as I need to extend to those who came before me I think that's an appropriate humility I mean I'm not saying you don't judge by the standard of scripture Mm. but at the same time scripture is being applied in numerous different societies at different times in history and therefore, I can look at how Cyprian handled persecution in the third century and realize that's I can learn from his steadfastness. There's wisdom I can find there. That's probably not how we're going to respond mm. because they're in a different they're in a very different context. They're living in in Carthage in North Africa, you know, you can't travel. There's mm-hmm. you can't communicate with speed. So we're gonna have to do things differently when persecution comes to us. So historically, I look at that. Obviously, and it sounds like a, a worn out drum, but all of this stuff is fundamentally telling us that scripture is insufficient in and of itself, uh, that it needs to be put on the shelf, it needs to be gutted, it needs to be shredded into pieces, it needs to become something you just simply dra- you, you grab a few little 
uh, snippets from here, fit them into the bigger narrative. Uh, I am so sick of hearing people saying, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history and all the rest of this stuff as if you can actually figure that part out by yourself. It's just, <laughs> it's just amazingly arrogant. Um, but uh, you really have to ask the question, uh, are we being told that we need to go beyond uh, the categories of scripture and, and uh, grab hold of authorities outside? And that's what we've been warning about for a long, long time. It's becoming so clear and obvious now you have the Southern Baptist Convention literally splitting over the propriety of using uh, critical theory. And yet only a year, only two years ago, it was, uh, well, you know, critical race theory can be a useful tool. Right. And now entire well, and churches. Nobody's doing that. What's critical race theory? Right, no right. one even knows what that is. And now if you say <laughs> you something about it, we're out of here. You're, you're, yeah. How uh, dare so, you not let me use this thing that I told you I wasn't really using. That's right. Yeah. It's, yeah that's, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're, we're being told to, uh, to go beyond the, the, the categories of scripture. Uh, and when you ask why. Uh, the only thing is the narrative. I've started going the with a capital T narrative yeah, with a capital right. N. Um, yeah. Well, Jamar Tisby is now in charge of that narrative. I know. So uh, we have to capitalize it. If it pleases the crown. <laughs> if it pleases the crown. That's right. So the answer is to be in the word? What? No. Seriously? You From guys. Us on this show? Are we telling you guys to stay in the word? <laughs> no. What? That's wild. Well, and we've also, so we've extended this encouragement before in on the topic of uh, creation mm. and it's that um, you don't need to be embarrassed mm -hmm. about things that you might perceive are mm -hmm. or are, you're probably actually being told it's probably less about perception at this point mm -hmm. um, are um, in error or mm -hmm. are embarrassing like if someone's telling you mm -hmm. to be embarrassed or uh, ashamed mm -hmm. um of you something don't from need, the Bible. You don't need to do that. You can just say no, thanks. I'm good. Right. Just. <laughs> but but there we we you, you gotta you gotta put a pretty deep stake down there because what I what I mean by that is mm -hmm. the uh, the pressure that is going to be coming upon us to be embarrassed by what right. the Bible says and by the categories the Bible gives to us. Mm -hmm. Not only is it going to come from every angle including from Christians, mm -hmm. but it will be devastating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't help but thinking back to an incident. I need to find out what year it was. It was about 2008, I think. Um, a uh, suicide bomber tried to blow up a girl's school in Pakistan. Now, you're probably familiar with the fact that um, there are Muslim groups that believe that the education of women is, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. is forbidden by Sharia law. And um, so like Boko Haram in, in Africa and, and groups like that. And so this man tried to get into a girl's school and he was stopped outside and he um, set off the bomb outside and only two people died. Mm. himself and the person who stopped, stopped him from getting him. in. The person who stopped him from getting in was the janitor. Mm. And the janitor at the Muslim girls school was a Christian mm. because that's the only job Christians can have. Wow. So he wow. gave his life to protect those girls wow. as a Christian 
because you basically can't get any higher level job mm. because you are a Christian. Hmm. So the idea is what we're going to see coming, I think, unless there is a major outpouring of revival, is a, a tremendous constriction hmm. on what Christians will be allowed to do hmm. because you will be required to do certain things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, once the Equality Act passes, hmm. there's a um, lawsuit that was just filed against Department of Education um, for giving Christian schools and institutions um, waivers on discrimination, mm. Mm. depending on how that gets decided, mm -hmm. together with the Equality Act or separate from the Equality Act, this will be what will allow for um, the withdrawal of all uh, accreditation mm -hmm. from from Christian schools, mm -hmm. uh, no student loans, no mm -hmm. any of that stuff. The smart schools have already stopped doing all that stuff anyways, mm -hmm. as far as mm -hmm. the Pell Grants and student loans and, and stuff like that as it is. They've mm -hmm. found other ways to do it because they knew this was coming. Right. Mm -hmm. But the point is that um, in Canada, mm -hmm. the Supreme Court ruled uh, two years ago that um, you can't, li you literally cannot have a Christian law school that requires mm -hmm. Christian morality to go to it. Mm -hmm. And so you can't go into law, Mm -hmm. There's going to be all sorts, and and we're going to have to recognize that the big paying jobs will not be ours. Mm -hmm. So who's really going to be willing to pay this? I can, I can guarantee, guarantee you one thing. The 16,000 people in that basketball arena that Joel Osteen speaks to mm -hmm. are being told about how wonderful they are and how what a beautiful plan for their life right. God has that never involves anything mm -hmm. that involves sacrifice, mm -hmm. mortification of sin or anything else. Mm -hmm. and those places are going to be dead empty. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a lot of people that we know and not a one of us, not a one of us should sit here today going, well, I'm going right. to, don't, don't do the Peter thing. Yeah. Uh, because he was denying Christ three times in a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. um, but the pressure will be intense. And sometimes we'll end up being alone. It's one thing when our whole church stands together yeah. and we still have the freedom to meet. Why do you think? the Chinese try to break up those churches and separate people mm -hmm. because they know that once you're alone, once you're in a really small group mm -hmm. or especially when you're alone, it's a whole lot harder to stand firm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's where when I say putting down a stake because you're going to have to be recognizing that there will be Christians who will stand on the other side and condemn you with the world and say, I'm a Christian and you're not, you're not even accurately representing the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the kind of thing that, that is heading our direction. And um, yeah, and, and I say that as a freshly minted post-millennialist because of the fact that <laughs> I, I just point out that we are now living in a day where there is an enemy that needs to be subjected and crushed under the feet of Christ yeah. mm. that has not existed in church history right. before. And that enemy is secularism. Mm -hmm. There was no secularism in, in the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. There were gods everywhere. Right. Right. And functionally secularist in the sense, okay, there were a few people like that, but as a worldview that literally tells people, yeah. you are a cosmic accent, you are a bag mm -hmm. of fizzing chemicals. I was listening to, so sad, 
so sad. I spent, you know, I came out to do Apology Radio today, so coming back and forth, I'm listening to stuff. I listened to an interview between a... Derek Webb. The Derek Webb interview. Did you listen to it? No, but I heard you say that, and literally the other day I was just like reading his Twitter feed and being sad, so... Well, I listened <laughs> so to the whole... I, I, I listened. Also. I listened over two hour yeah. interview mm-hmm. with this comedian who himself is a former evangelical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and between all the F-bombs and everything else mm-hmm. from both sides, yeah. Uh, one of the things that the comedian said that Derek agreed with, they were talking about, I think someone even said, uh, no, they said stardust. They used the stardust thing. But then the other one was, you're nothing but TV static. Mm. Now, I don't, I'm not sure if that works with young people much anymore. Right, what is TV because static? Because what is TV static? <laughs> but But those of us my age well know yeah. What TV is a random, meaningless, mm-hmm. purposeless mm-hmm. hum. Yeah. And it was just so sad. sad. It's so sad. Um, but that that is the mindset of secularism. Darwin opened the door for it. Mm-hmm. And it needs to be crushed mm-hmm. under the feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting back going, Lord, please. <laughs> I have been so blessedly accurate over the past year about what's coming. <laughs> so I'm scared to death. Because it just strikes me that the most effective way to crush this so that it never raises its head Mm. in the rest of the history of humanity Mm. is to let it go to the bottom and show its true nature. And that scares me to death because I've got grandkids. Yeah, for sure. Well, um... So if your life movie was a genre. <laughs> what? If your life movie was a genre, what genre would it be? <laughs> what kind of movie are you living what in? What kind of movie? So um, Joy is living in a dry situational humor like The Office. Um, everyone around me and myself included, we're always singing. So I'm in a musical. I asked Nicoletta and John said that she would be a documentary oh okay. <laughs> <And> yeah so, <laughs> yeah kind of see that yeah so um what would you be what's your life movie you know <laughs> i go on programs a lot where people ask me to like play games questions with that them you weren't ready for. and questions like this that yeah well i know generally i then make sure to do dividing lines about them and they yeah. then disappear um well, but uh, <laughs> Here, I, I have it. I, I have, have it. A, I have a key to your house. So <laughs> <laughs> I think you are in a 24 esque. 24. <laughs> yes. He's in a 24. I, I was going to say, I was yes. going to say something like a, like a, like a band of brothers. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, saving You're in like Private one of those Ryan. Long, uh, season like one docudramas. season docudrama yeah, yeah, I don't know with yeah. Nani and her hummingbird thing I feel like it's becoming more and more of a sitcom well <laughs> like your, your life well, yeah, well as happens. we're getting older and she has turned into the oh, the, the singing uh, baking. baking she's obviously the singing in a baker movie. Yes. No, no the singing dancing baker <laughs> yes she's in a Disney movie Disney she's, princess. A, she's, she's a Disney princess she's a Disney princess <laughs> yes with her with her named hummingbirds and her, humming, her hummingbirds have names wearing, she's named them wearing her wearing her uh, aerobics outfit and teaching aerobics classes yeah. because, because between baking from now on whenever she dances it gets, for a living whenever yeah whenever it gets quiet I come out and she's wearing the the, 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 the uh, bone conduction headphones uh-huh. so yeah. you can't hear it. Yeah. But she's 
doing her. She's practicing she's, her well, steps. Well, you she's doing step class. What you don't see is that the hummingbirds are actually helping her bake. <laughs> yes, yes. And clean the yes, house. Yes, yeah, yeah. Tex and Peanut are, are hummingbirds. And yeah. when Nani gets home, she's going to find a full color uh, desktop book on hummingbirds. Oh, she's going to love it. Uh, I'm going to. Because she's I mean, keep talking are, to me about hummingbirds. It's stressful. Absolutely. Me okay, I'm going to just. I'm going to. When she yeah. messages me yeah, about the hummingbirds, amazing. I'm going to be like, "Here's a phone number. You can message about this. <laughs> It'll <Yes>. be yours." <laughs> Except <laughs> you know what's going to happen is then you're going to have two people talking to you about hummingbirds. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> I need less people talking she'll to me be, about hummingbirds. <laughs> to be completely honest, see, the sun is just about to get to the point where it's going to start hitting the hummingbird feeder. Yeah. And so I've already figured out how to set up my uh, Sony A6300 with a remote on it. Oh, very nice. So that I can be, so you I've got shock the, of the massive red, color yeah. right there oh, yeah. with the sun. That's going to be beautiful. Oh, so yeah. I've been, I'm sort of excited about them too. I like, I like our hunting too. So. Somebody leave me a voicemail, not about hummingbirds. Uh, 470. <laughs> 465. Somebody talk to me, not about hummingbirds. 0475. You can leave us a voicemail. Dad, thanks for I joining us. I was you about hummingbirds. You ha- now you, you've said it like five times now. Well, that's, <laughs> you guys were talking about it. That's all. The point was, you're Jack Bauer. Yeah, well, I was. Joy's in the office. <laughs> but, I'm but still Jack stuck Bauer in the Jack Bauer liked hummingbirds, too. He pro- so that, you don't... probably didn't know that. Hit us up at <laughs> patreon.com slash theologians. <laughs> Uh, you can buy a t-shirt shopsheologians.com we also I'm super excited pay attention to the store because we're getting ready to drop some stuff and I'm just oh yeah very, I'm very very, very excited is it and baking actually, stuff no oh Nani already it, has all the baking stuff she we does offer. she's running around <laughs> sheologian stuff <laughs> on is. all the time it's yeah. great mm-hmm. I was gonna say I actually think I just realized why my husband is uh sitting next to me this episode's really long <laughs> so <I know. laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. He said no. Go ahead. Yeah, All right. Well, ahead. you guys, Dad. Again, thanks for joining us, and hopefully, hopefully, y'all learned something. Hopefully, you're encouraged. Get in the Bible. Leave us a voicemail, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>